With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. As always, I am Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the podcast and manager of BT Powerhouse of SB Nation, your guide to Big Ten basketball and all the related news you can dream of. So I'm coming to you. It's uh First, excuse me, we're in the second week of July now. Uh, Hopefully everyone had a wonderful July 4th. Got to enjoy some barbecue, some time out on some water, hopefully, (laughs) something of that uh, nature. Um, If you're a soccer fan, the the U.S. women scored a big win over the weekend to win the World Cup. So a lot of action on, on that front. Additionally, NBA Summer League is now in full swing. I think just about all the teams, if not um, at least in Vegas, they're they've all tipped off. They've all gotten into action. We got to see some of the the Big Ten folks. Carson Edwards of Purdue was out there. Iggy Brazdinkis and Jordan Poole of the Wolverines were also out there. Got to see some former Spartans like Matt Costello get into the action so it's it's been a an exciting time um for the big 10 considering that we're in july um not a lot as far as the recruiting front um not a lot as far as the the preseason anticipation we're still a little bit too far removed to be super in depth on that front but obviously uh we are gradually moving along. So I, I'd say as far as uh, the big events, you know, what to look for, um, what we're really talking about, what we're really uh, focusing on at the time being, um, some of those recruiting nuggets, as I said, um, this isn't a, a time when you're going to get a ton of the news, but some big events are happening. Peach Jam coming up relatively soon. I don't anticipate there's going to be a ton of development as far as the Big Ten. Obviously, the coaches are going to be there um, from all the major programs across the country, frankly. It's a it's a crazy event. Um, if you're not super into it, it happens down in the south, and really every marquee prospect <laughs> will be there, at least as the top 100 is concerned. So, big recruiting event, but... I don't anticipate we're gonna we're gonna hear any commitments, but there might be some offers out there. There might be some news regarding interest. Um, so not not a ton on that front. But really, what I wanted to use today for is because we haven't had a ton of action <laughs> since the last podcast. Just touch a little bit on the NBA draft. Conclude on it a little bit. Conclude on uh, what has happened, or excuse me, take a look at what's happened in the summer league so far, and then hopefully reset our focus here um, as we go into the latter half of the summer. Again, as I said, we're still we're still a little ways away um, from the actual season, and even to the point where we can 
really break down these teams with any certainty. I guarantee it may not seem like it. A lot's going to happen between now and then. Um, you know, for instance, over the weekend, Franz Wagner commits to Michigan. There will be some some events like this that shake things up. Um, for the most part, things are pretty settled, which is why, for those of you who have been to btpowerhouse.com in the last week or so, we did um, post our new set of power rankings, which I want to touch on uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But, you know, we sort of have a little more of an idea now. Now that the NBA draft is over, we know who's declared. We know who's back. We know a little bit more about um, how some of these recruiting and last-minute additions will sort up. So some stuff to touch on on, on that front. Um, but I'll start first with the NBA draft. Um, overall, I, I thought it was a decent night for the Big Ten. I didn't think it was a great night. Didn't think it was exceptional. Big Ten really noticeably absent from the first round from the most part. Um, all told, they ended up getting a decent amount of guys taken. But kind of slim pickings uh, at the at the top, and I, I think frankly, that's one of those things that you can read into it as you may. Um, I, I think that is one of the concerns: is the lack of elite NBA talent um, is a concern as far as you know. Why does the Big Ten? keep failing to get to the to the final four get to the national championship game and finish it off i think that's one of the reasons you could look to is you know maybe explaining why the big 10 hasn't won a national championship since uh 2000 with michigan state and i do know maryland won afterwards but they were not in the big 10 at the time so sorry folks big 10 doesn't get to to count that one um but you know this is one of these narratives that has built about the big 10 um you know earlier i said the big 10 struggles to get teams to the final four that's probably not super accurate the big 10 does get the teams to the final four pretty routinely it's just usually they're knocked out there or if they're fortunate enough to get to the next game um they can't finish it off you know michigan's made the title game a couple of times wisconsin's made the final four a couple of times recently michigan state has obviously been one of the nation's best in terms of making the final four um and also advancing to that championship game uh once in a while as well so i mean teams are getting there but seems like they can't finish it off. And I, I think, honestly, that's one of the explanations I would look to is the fact that the teams just, they don't seem to have that, that same NBA talent as, as the teams that eventually win the championship. You know, you look at Virginia, you look at some of these Duke teams, North Carolina, just stacked with elite NBA talent. And the Big Ten has had its fair share of talent, but... Um, hasn't quite been on that that top 10 top five capabilities year in or standard excuse me year in and year out but ultimately big 10 does get a decent number of players taken um indiana romeo langford goes off the board he goes to the celtics as i mentioned carson edwards he's also taken by the celtics jordan Poole, surprising pick to golden state uh iggy brazdinkis in the second round, a few weird 
trade situations, uh, but he ends up, he's on the Knicks. Bruno Fernando uh, ends up being taken by the Hawks. That might have been another one. I'm, I'm sorry, there were so many trades on draft night. I'm, I'm getting some of these confused, but I know Bruno Fernando ends up on the Hawks. Isaiah Roby also ends up um, on the Mavericks. So that, that was the night for the Big Ten. You had some free agent signings afterwards, but generally speaking, those were the big prospects that heard their names called. As far as, uh, you know, big winners, uh, big losers, I thought the biggest winner of the night, generally speaking, was Jordan Poole. This was a guy who, coming into the spring, you know, NCAA tournament ends, a lot of Michigan fans are critical of him. He ends up not only getting drafted, but going in the first round to a team that has been in the NBA Finals for what, uh, I want to say like five straight years, something like that, you know, has won um, three titles recently. That's a great landing spot for Poole, whether he develops into a star, I don't know, I don't pretend to know, Um, but that is a a really good landing spot for someone who I know personally I had doubts whether he was going to get drafted so I mean to go in the first round like that is a a big get um, for Michigan and for Poole as well the other um, side of things the big losers so to speak um, I also thought it was another Michigan guy I thought it was Charles Matthews I thought he was really trending up during the course of the workouts, at least according to various reports. Great defender. Um, I thought that skill would translate to the next level, something that could land him on a roster. He tears his ACL right before the draft, ends up going undrafted, and at this point, I don't think he's going to get a deal. I think he's going to have to earn his way back in once he heals. I don't know whether a team will be willing to offer him something during the season or if he will have to wait for next year's summer league. We'll have to see. But um, frankly, I I think both sides of the coin uh, for the Big Ten this year, it it was Michigan. But, you know, um, the other note I wanted to add, I apologize before I move on from the NBA draft here, Isaiah Roby. Uh, big night for him, big night for Nebraska's program, their first draft pick in more than 20 years, I want to say. So big, big statement uh, for Nebraska where that program could be heading in the future. I know Tim Miles, he gets the boot this offseason. Husker fans are probably not too happy with how that whole thing finished, but ultimately Miles... I think captured a lot, and I'll get to this later when I talk about Nebraska um, and the power rankings, but I think in a lot of ways, Miles symbolized you know, what this Nebraska program is capable of if it's really hitting the ground running. Um, he got them to the tournament one year, he got them to the NIT another year, and he got a guy into the NBA draft. So, I mean, this is a program that that has potential, maybe not potential uh, for a national championship on a, any regular basis, but potential to be relevant on a national stage. So, big night for him, uh, big night for Nebraska. So, that was the last thing I wanted to hit on. Like I said, overall, I thought it was a decent night for the Big Ten. Didn't think it was great. Didn't think it was terrible. Just a decent night. Um, next year's draft's going to be really intriguing. Um, there aren't a lot of clear-cut top-tier prospects on paper as of now. But, of course, 
we will see. We are just shy of a year away, and there is a lot of basketball between now and then. So we'll see what ends up happening. Not as many clear-cut prospects, in my opinion, next year as there were this year. But, of course, we will see. Uh, A lot of things change. Um, Moving on just uh, to the NBA Summer League. For those of you who don't follow the NBA that much, I'm not going to belabor the summer league here. Um, what it essentially is is an opportunity for the re- the guys who just got picked in the draft, the guys who just got signed as free agents, um, and older players who are playing in Europe, uh, guys in the G League who want to get an opportunity to show themselves to prove that they've developed their game and they deserve a shot on an actual NBA roster. So that's the purpose of the Summer League. None of the good players play in the Summer League, um, except for, again, the rookies, second-year players. Once in a while, you'll see a third- or fourth-year guy. Usually those are the, the career G League type of guys who are trying to prove, you know, hey, I should be on a roster, you know, look at what I'm doing in the Summer League, etc. So takeaways from the Summer League, you always got to be a little cautious because... Uh, <laughs> it, it really depends, you know, where a guy lands, who he's surrounded by. You know, obviously these guys, they don't have months and months to play together and develop a system. The summer league stuff can be wild. Uh, one guy may get to attempt all the shots while another gets two. Um, so you got to be a little cautious of the stats. But the the things I would say as far as big things to look at in the summer league, the first is if you are a second-year player or older you should be dominating if you're going to be a star later on if you look almost all the stars that played in the summer league in their second year or later all are just dominant forces so if you if you you know a player you're following he's in the summer league and he's putting up nothing as a second year player or later probably time to have a little concern uh, so that's the biggest thing I would say to look for in the summer league. The second, of course, is you can look for certain skills that might be able to translate. You know, look for what was a guy's weakness coming in. How are they doing with that weakness? For instance, you know, if a guy has trouble getting to the rim, you know, how is he doing that against players with more length, uh, better defensive abilities, uh, more shot blocking abilities, stuff like that. You know, a guy, oh, he can't create his own shot. Well, is he doing that? Don't necessarily put too much stock into the stat lines by themselves you really have to look and see who they're matching up against and sort of how crazy the game is because as mentioned things get crazy um a couple guys we're only a few games into this but a couple guys who i I thought have had really nice games uh iggy brazdinkis he put up 30 points uh in a game last night doing a great job of getting off his own shot we'll see again um the knicks have kind of been a a mess in a lot of ways recently so i don't know how much stock to put into that but he had a good night um pool uh for the warriors has been a little in my opinion a little bit volume reliant for his stats uh but he has shown a nice shooting stroke as he had at michigan so that's encouraging if you're if you're a fan of pool or the warriors to see that uh type of development another older guy who i has caught my eye a little bit from the big 10 matt costello i thought has played 
really well for the the Pistons team um, in the summer league so far. He's shown some development. I don't think he quite has enough to make an NBA roster at this point, but I do think he will get a at least a decent shot for a, a solid G League offer if he if that's what he's looking for. We'll see. But um, just a couple of guys I wanted to touch on, and I like I said, I wanted to sort of give my yearly ramble on the summer league. Don't sell your house over it. You know, don't bet the farm on on one of these guys based on a summer league game. But something to keep an eye on if you're looking for basketball over the the coming days and weeks. A lot of Big Ten players are seeing action in it. Um, and then finally, the last thing I wanted to hit on tonight before I end the podcast is to touch on sort of reset. As I mentioned, um, we're at the point where. We can buy in a little bit more to these preseason projections, these preseason rankings, um, where things appear to sit. Because frankly, there aren't that many 2019 prospects, uh, those being players who will come in as freshmen next season and are able to play next season. There are very few transfers left. Uh, There's a few international prospects. I know Indiana's still looking at one pretty hard, but... Generally speaking, your roster is what it is <laughs> at this point, um, for better or worse. So this is a nice time to reset. I guarantee there's going to be some injury or two. Um, I hope not, but there always is. Uh, there'll be some injury or two before the season starts. There'll be some surprising transfer, something like that, uh, or a guy getting kicked off a team. This stuff always happens every year. You can always you could set your clock to it. Um, but generally, like I said, we got a little better idea of where things sit than the initial preseason uh, rankings right after March Madness. So what I'd say as far as how does the Big Ten look today? Where do I see things sort of sorting out as we sit today? The first one is... And this should come as no surprise to anyone who watched last year. Michigan State is the number one team. I don't think anybody's particularly close at this point. Um, Michigan State, they got some guys to replace. Uh, You know, Goins is gone in the front court. Nick Ward is gone in the front court as well. But the Spartans are just, they're deep. They're talented. They're experienced. Cassius Winston was the best player in the Big Ten last year. He's back. There's no reason to think he won't be a dominant force again. Um, a lot of people not only have the Spartans top of the Big Ten, but ranked first nationally. I think they're going to have a very good shot at be having that number one ranking when the season begins. And certainly um, when they play in the Champions Classic to open the season, if they win that game, I will about guarantee they're going to be number one the next week. So this is Michigan State's conference to lose. Now, with that said, we have had a lot of years where a team seemed like the clear-cut favorite. Michigan State has done it a couple of times. Maryland has done it. Indiana has done it. We've had plenty of years where a team seems like the clear-cut favorite, and they don't win the Big Ten regular season title. Um, so keep that keep that in mind. But certainly, as of now, Michigan State looks like the clear favorite. And they're going to be the team to beat. Um, and they will have all the challenges associated with being the favorite. After that, I think there's a decent drop-off. And I have Maryland second. 
And the main reason why is they have an immense amount of talent. I think from a pure talent perspective, you can make an argument that Maryland is right with, if not above, Michigan State from a pure talent perspective. They have a number of guys who I think could play in the NBA um, and not only play but contribute. And that sheer talent, to me, gets them number two on this list. Now, the concerns, they lost Fernando. That is a Those are going to be some big shoes to fill. I don't think they have an obvious guy that's going to be able to match his production. They have plenty of talent in that front court, but that's a challenge. Um, they also have, uh, you know, Terp fans aren't going to appreciate this, but they have a recent history of underperforming expectations. They have been really solid and consistent over the last few years. Uh, Mark Turgeon sort of overcoming some of those demons, uh, but he still hasn't shown, uh, you know, really the consistency to deliver those deep runs in March to really, uh, to win the league. You know, he hasn't won the league. He hasn't won the Big Ten tournament despite having some, some really good rosters in years past. So that's sort of the concern as far as the Terps go. Can they sort of deliver on the hype? on the talent we'll see they got to sort some things out a lot of young guys but a lot of talent as i mentioned they're a team that if that talent plays together well they could go really deep in in the big 10 and into march after them for all intents and purposes it's kind of a mess i don't think there's a clear number three i don't think there's a clear almost anybody after that um i except maybe 14th. I have Northwestern last in the league. Frankly, I, I think they are the last team in the league um, for good reason. But outside of maybe that, you know, 3 through 13, there isn't a ton of divide between a lot of these teams. A lot of them, one guy surprises in a good or bad way. They could move massively up and down these rankings. So a lot of this is a mess. Um, some teams that I'm higher on, than I was when we started the offseason. In particular, uh, Nebraska. Nebraska looked like they were going to have nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. And I mean, seriously, the roster, I think, had like one or two guys <laughs> returning from last season. And Fred Hoiberg came in and just absolutely went on a tear. I will admit, and for Nebraska fans who don't understand this, um, a lot of these guys are so-so prospects. They aren't exactly bringing in the dream team, so to speak, and that shouldn't be expected considering a lot of these guys are very, very late additions. Um, usually the pickings are a little slim, and when you're desperate for bodies, you're going to take some guys that you probably normally wouldn't. With that said, they have gotten some nice guys. They have some nice younger players. Johnny Trubert is back too. He had a really good performance in the postseason last year. There's a lot of pieces. Um, not all of them are the best, but I think there are more than enough pieces to field a solid Big Ten team. Um, moreover, the other question here is, I don't know if I've ever seen a team have this many guys in and out in one offseason. And I'm sure there's a team out there. It probably happens in the mid-majors all the time with all the transfers these days. But I don't think I've ever seen a team have this many new faces <laughs> at the Big Ten level in one offseason. And I don't know how that fits together. 
I mean, these guys are going to have to learn to play together. There could be a big learning curve on that front. We will see. But that's something that they're kind of a mystery. I like sort of where they're going. And I think, frankly, Hoiberg is going to really hit the recruiting trail hard in 2020 and beyond. I think he's a really good coach. I think he's going to do really well in Lincoln. But this year is kind of a, a mix, but I'm much higher on Nebraska than I was a month, month and a half ago. So that should be encouraging for Husker fans. I don't think it's an NCAA tournament team by any means, but could they push for an NIT if one or two guys surprises? Maybe, maybe. It's possible. Um, we'll have to see, but they're a team I'm, I'm much higher on. On the reverse side here, uh, two teams that I'm down on. First one is Michigan. For obvious reasons, they lose three guys to the NBA draft after the season ends. At least one of them was a big surprise in Poole. Uh, Brozdinkis, many thought was a 50-50 guy. He goes too. So they lose three guys, and then they lose one of the best coaches in college basketball in John Beeline. So a lot of hits for Michigan. Um, the good news is they just got Franz Wagner, as I mentioned earlier, over the weekend. He's going to be an immediate contributor. I think he's going to start from day one. So that's a big get for Michigan. And they still have some nice pieces, you know, between Xavier Simpson, Franz Wagner, um, John Teske, and Isaiah Livers. That's a top four that uh, is right there probably with anyone except Michigan State. Um but the question is, you know, who's going to be the fifth starter? How's the bench going to develop? Stuff like that, where in years past, we would always kind of bank it off to Beeline will figure it out. Beeline's not there anymore. We'll have to see if Dwan Howard can figure it out. So they're a team I'm, I'm much lower on. I still think Michigan has a, a really nice shot at the tournament and maybe doing some damage from there. But we don't really know. First time coach, uh, excuse me, first time head coach in Juwan Howard. So. It's hard to tell <laughs> at this point, so uh, TBD, TBD, we'll see. Um, the other team that I'm lower on is Rutgers. Uh, they lose Amori to a transfer, um, big loss, arguably the team's best player. I don't think he's a guy they have any adequate replacement for. And frankly, this was a team that was, that was trending up, but they did already have their questions. I know a lot of Rutgers fans have already brought up the fact that, you know, they were trending up. They bring a lot of young guys back. They should be primed for um, an improvement. But the two things that concern me, first off, as I mentioned, they just lost arguably their best player in the front court. I don't think they have a guy who can replace him. They'll play somebody there, but I don't think he's going to be even close to what they just lost. The second is, we already had questions. You know, we've seen a lot of teams return a lot of guys from the lower tier who had been sort of one of those feisty, lower-end Big Ten teams. We've seen this narrative before, and it is a big step to go from feisty bottom-dweller who can upset some teams into legitimate you know top half big 10 team that can actually compete on a nightly basis you know it's different surprisingly upsetting people versus actually going out there on a night to night you know not getting upset at home going on the road and winning stuff like that so that's a big challenge for Rutgers um and then finally one other team I'm I'm down on I forgot this when I when I started so there's actually three teams I'm a little down on 
Um, I apologize. Someone's setting off fireworks here. <laughs> a little July 4th holdover, I guess. Um, the last team is Iowa. Um, with Bohannon's injury, um, with the recent transfer hit. Um, they're a team I'm, I'm not as high on anymore. Still think they could be in the tournament. They still have uh, Wiscamp and a, and a few other nice guys, but that's going to be a challenge. But with that, um, not going to rehearse <laughs> all my rankings from, from start to finish, but just wanted to reset things sort of as we move forward here into July. Um, and with that, my name is Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at tbendit. Otherwise, we'll see you all guys next time.